0: Good morning. Everybody looks lovely this morning. So, again, I've got the lights in my eyes. I can't tell. But uh, I, I want to, I want to, the next couple weeks I'm going to be talking about uh, prayer, some things about prayer maybe you haven't seen before or something like that. But, but uh, I want to kind of start off this week going into that. And, and I want to look at a, I was, yesterday morning during our men's breakfast, uh, Stan asked me, he said, Pastor, you never talk about like the current events that are happening in the day. You never talk about what's going on. And and um, I do some, but he, but he's right. I don't really just, just because something happens that week doesn't mean I, I talk about it this week. In part, it's because it, it's just uh, it's not necessarily spiritual direction. It's not necessarily biblical, and it's just my opinion. Like the NFL players kneeling down. If they, if, I, I don't have to push my opinion. If they want to be idiots, they can be idiots. I don't have to I don't have to like push what I think about this into everybody else's world, but, but uh, the the I want to look at something that that I've had on the calendar for a while, but I want to tie it into uh, this Las Vegas shooting this uh, last week, and to 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 look at this um, in a spiritual sense. and And part of the deal is I was I was looking at all this stuff about the uh, the Vegas shooting, and I was lo- I was seeing and you know, all the same stuff that. that Many of you have seen and see the pictures on online of the people that are some of them are laying down there that have been shot and people are trying to run and get away and helping others I mean there's a bunch of stuff going on and uh, and I was thinking later about how many people are hurting right now because of that e- event that happened and, and how many how many families are without without people today because of that uh, moment and that gunman and then Got to look into more and more information has come out about the gunman, and that he was uh, apparently tied into the Antifa groups, and and that there was there was more to it even than that. That they're still investigating that this was this was not just um, some guy that went off his rocker. That this was apparently pretty well planned, and some things. and And, and I'm processing all of this and thinking about just the, uh, the, the 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 spiritual state of mind or the emotional. Um, place that we are as a country. The 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 song, "Oh, Come to the Altar." It's one of my favorite worship songs. I play it all the time, um, and specifically when I'm just praying or worshiping or something, I play that song. And the first two lines of the song says, "Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of sin?" And and I want to put those in two different categories. I know they're talking about this is the same uh, thing in in the song. It's uh, the 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 uh, brokenness comes from the sin, which is reality. But I think you can be um, broken and hurting within without there being a uh, sin issue for that. And sometimes you're just really hurting. And so I was thinking that that the that the song basically says, "Come to the altar," and in processing that and what that means for us this morning, and the and the the, the kind of the where our country is. This is something that I feel like I, 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 I even as I say this, I got to be careful because I um, when I was you know, 20, 25, somewhere in that area, the the idea that guys my age, you know, late 30s, would stand up and say something like, um, well, I remember th- when this happened or "This, our country isn't like it used to be or, you know, things like that. I would always think, oh, well, whatever. But maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm just having that moment where I'm just feeling older and I'm looking back, but I don't think this is what it is. I I haven't in the... In the uh, 47 years I've been alive, I have not seen this kind of hate, this kind of, of, of evil and vitriolic attitude that, that we're seeing right now. This is, um, I, I, remember, I remember when uh, Reagan was running for president. It was pretty bad. The, uh, the, the Democrats came out really strong against him, but, but not like we're seeing today in this. Um, regardless of whether you're a trump fan or not has nothing to do with what i'm saying there is a different level of anger and vitriol against uh, him and against conservatism and against basic morality in our country today i mean it's a it's an onslaught it's a it's a, a fight that is happening right here and and just the 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 level of anger and and the 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 fact that this gunman does this in Vegas should not be a surprise to us in this country right now. The, the, all of the things that we've been seeing over the last couple of years with the anti-police and, the, and we're going to kill people, uh, have all these riots, this whole Antifa thing, I, don't, I hope that you're not caught up into thinking the Antifa uh, rioters are some kind of good guys. They're They're not. This is a very angry, violent... Antifa supposedly means anti-fascist. You can't get more fascist than these people are. The idea that this is happening and that we've had all of this um, anti-cop BLM stuff that's been moving through our country and just... We're, we're, we're changing as a country, and this has gotten really bad. Now, I personally believe that the reason that this happens is... is here's. I heard somebody say this recently... Well our our world is so much more violent nowadays than it than it's ever been. I don't agree with that statement. I don't believe that our world is more violent. I think it's just come to our shores. The the world has been horribly violent like this for centuries and centuries. The the Christians have been ha- being beheaded by uh Islam for for centuries. This is not a new thing. You if the, 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 what's happened in America is in the church in America, we've been so pampered and, 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 and protected that we are really naive when it comes to the rest of the world. There really is this, this idea that somehow the rest of the world was nice and polite just because America, for the most part, was nice and polite for a long time. And that's not the case. There's been violence all over the world forever. And there has been this anti-Christ spirit around the world for a very long time. We're just now starting to get more information about it. You can you can go online and look at statistics on this. The amount of people that are being martyred for the case of Christ has always been high. It's not going up recently. It's always been up. There's always been this. We just haven't known about it in America. We just assumed that it wasn't happening. But what has now happened is this, this, mindset, this spirit of Antichrist, this evil has come to our shores and is invading our country. I'm not talking about a physical thing. It plays out in a physical way. But there's this there's this, uh, this spiritual disease that is running through our country right now that is just wanting people to, to hate and kill and just destroy. Well, that's demonic. That's Satan that's doing this kind of thing. Now, I personally believe that the moment that this really uh, got a foothold i would maybe say started but but at least started in, on our shores when it really became a, an issue was we didn't see it for a, another decade or so that it actually began to take uh, a social root is when we started saying murdering babies is okay when we started killing our own for the for the sake of Comfort and ease and lifestyle or whatever we put into the category of choice, it's still murder. We're still killing babies. We, we have lost the, the sanctity of life and the respect for life in our country today. And that's what leads to eventually, that's what leads to the, the mindset that the way I deal with issues is I get a gun and I mow down a bunch of people. This is, I've even seen the politicians trying to make this about guns and gun rights and all this kind of, that's not what it is. In fact, one of the politicians that was saying this this week, man, this drove me crazy. I'm glad I was not physically in his presence. He starts talking about, President Trump, when are you going to start standing up to the NRA and and these babies, these people, not babies, these people that were just killed this last week, they are crying out to the grave. All 58 of them are crying out from the grave that we need to do something about gun rights. And I wanted to say, okay, let, let's, let's use that, let's go with that frame of thought. How many hundreds of thousands of babies cry out every single year from the grave, and that particular senator is the one who signs the bills that say abortion is legal, abortion is good for our country. Don't, don't play this political game with dead people when you are sponsoring Babies being murdered to the tune of over 100,000 a year in this country. That's murder, but we don't care about that. We've lost this, this, this um, respect for human life. We've lost this sanctity of life thing that was so much a part of our existence. And that's why this stuff is getting coming to our shores more and more and becoming stronger across the country, that this is the answer to our problems is we take life. This guy in the the hotel in Vegas, the reason that he thought this was a problem is because that, I mean, the answer is because that has been our answer for a long time. You you go have a baby, you sleep around, you do whatever, and you don't have to give birth. Just kill it. You don't have to follow through with that. Life means nothing. It doesn't mean you, you, you're, it's more important that you be happy than that baby live. Well, that's what that guy in Vegas did. It was, that's how he was happy, is those people not living. There's there's spiritually, there's no difference. S- Satan, Satan is is dripping with the blood of these people because we're we are no longer respecting human existence. God created you. God created us. When do we come back to that and say, wait a second, this is there's something wrong here. With that, I believe, and, and maybe this is just. My feeling on this, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm alone here, but I'm just—I'm in a place emotionally, spiritually right now in our country. I'm feeling this for our country that there, we, we're losing hope. We're—we're we're getting to the point where there's 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 more sadness and dejection than there is um, happiness, and the and the basic foundations of human existence, joy and peace, are are becoming. In short supply in our country today, and so I began to process this and I'd, and I had read this a while back in nehemiah and i want I, I, I want us to go to Nehemiah this morning in, in chapter eight, and so this is where Nehemiah basically had got everybody together to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem now, now Jerusalem itself this is a concept that am, Americans really and I say this, knowing this in a cognitive sense, but i don 't really understand it when when you go back to the very original covenants, the Mosaic Covenant, everything that God uh, dealt with, the Abrahamic Covenant, it was really the first one that we see this strongly with, is when God says, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, I will bless the world through you, and this is going to be your land. Their land, who they are, their land, and, and God's relationship with them personally and then outward to other people was all tied together in a way that if you're not from the Middle East, you don't understand that the same way. Okay, it's um, there's a there's a different uh, mindset there. It's a little different process of thinking. We don't we don't think about this in America, but they were directly tied with all this. So then Nehemiah, the, the Jerusalem had been um, overrun, the walls had been torn down, and so then Nehemiah comes to these people, to the to the um, Hebrew people, and says, okay, we're going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. This is this is their relationship with God was directly tied with their land, and the city of Jerusalem, which is why it's such a big deal even today. Um, God said, this is your place. This is the headquarters of who you are, this kind of thing. So, so Nehemiah uh, says, let's rebuild the wall. So he gets all these people together. They, they commit completely. They're all in and to the point where literally they put everything uh, uh, online for this. Uh, all of their resources, all of their time and energy are devoted specifically to rebuilding these walls. So he gets this happening, all the walls, he gets all the walls rebuilt. Even while they're building, you know, there's this conflict, all these things going on. They finally get all the walls rebuilt. And the way that they celebrate this is they, um, they read from the Bible. And as they're reading from the Bible, I think there's a few things going on. But the major thing that's going on is, is they're being convicted by the fact that, yes, they have rebuilt the wall, so part of the connection between them and God has been kind of reestablished and the foundation rebuilt, except that I believe that there's there's still a disconnect in their spirit, and they're saying... But God, your word is, is pulling on us and it's causing us sadness. There's conviction. There's things like that that are going on because they realize that they, their hearts are not completely all in with God. While they've rebuilt the walls, they haven't really uh, gotten their heart and their mind and their spirit in line with God the same way yet. I believe that's kind of what's going on here. And so, so that's where we come in is, is they're reading the scriptures, they're being sad, they're, they're saddened by this and so then Nehemiah steps in and this is what he says. Um, verse two, so on October 8th, Do you get that? Somebody came up to me after first service and said, Was it really October 8th? I said, Yeah, that's what the scripture. I didn't make that up. That's the, the scripture said that. Is it always October 8th? I said, Well, in this story, when they wrote it, it was October 8th. It's tomorrow's gonna be October 9th. I didn't, you know, but but for this, this literally happened on October 8th. For some of you, like, I don't get it. Today's October 8th. Okay, so so on October 8th, <laughs> Ezra, the priest. I don't feel like that was sincere. (laughs) Ezra the priest brought the book of law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of law. Now, let me just throw this out here just as a little side note here. From early morning until noon, he read aloud to everyone who could understand, and they all listened closely. Okay, now let's go down to just that one was free. I just Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. For hours he just sat and read the scripture, and they all paid attention and stayed awake. So Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. This is this is where he's he's getting to here. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who were interpreted for the people, said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. for For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God for the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law and Nehemiah continued go and celebrate with a rich feast uh, a feast of rich foods and drink, and sweet drinks and share gifts of people of food with people who have nothing prepared this is a sacred day before our Lord don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the part that we always quote, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's songs about it, all kinds of stuff. But, but what he's saying here is they were, they were listening to God's word and it was, it was saddening them because they were realizing there was, there was a disconnect. Now, this is one of the things when it comes specifically to the subject of conviction that over the years I've realized. Years ago, I thought conviction was a horrible thing, that, that God convicts me. And in my head, the way I translated this is God said, Scott, you're doing this wrong. And I said, I'm going to hell. That was, that was the, the train of thought that I had there. And then I realized over time that when the Holy Spirit takes time to convict me, it's because he doesn't want me to go to hell. It's because he wants me to change. It's because he has better things planned for me, that he wants me to be less like me, more like the, the Lord, more like Jesus. And if I will do that, then God can do more things in my life. Sin stops God from doing the stuff that he wants to do in our life. And so conviction should not be seen as a negative thing. Now, it's not always a happy thing. It doesn't. It, I don't always like it while it's happening. I usually fight. I usually resist, kick and scream kind of thing. But when I finally get to the point where I say, okay, God, I, I, thank you for taking time out running the universe to care about me, uh, then let's work on this. It always turns into something positive. It's always God doing something better, bigger in my life. It's always my relationships are stronger. He, he's taking care of things, all this kind of stuff that's going on. And He says here, don't be sad. Because you're recognizing that there's a disconnect or a separation. Don't be sad when you're reading God's Word. Let, the, let there be strength from this. Realize that the joy that the Lord is. The, I don't think that when it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I don't think that means that the Lord hands us joy. I don't think he deposits joy into our spirit or into our mind or heart or something. I think what he's saying is, is if you'll let God's Word get into you, because they're reading God's Word. This is the context. If you let God's word get into you, the presence, the spirit of God into your mind, into your existence, there will be joy because when the Lord visits, joy comes. That's how simple it is. There is going to be joy in your mind when the Lord is in your life. And he says, now that becomes your strength. That becomes the foundation that you you rely on. This is, this is one of the major things that, that I believe if we could just do one thing in our country today at large, this would be it, is if we could, as a people, bow on our face before God and say, God, forgive us, most of what's going wrong in our country today would be fixed overnight just by saying, God, we want to put you back in our country. Now, it can't be five people that do this and it and it. Because across the whole country, I will say this, every individual that does this, it becomes different in their personal existence. God begins to work in different ways, do things, brings his joy to them. But our country is really lacking joy. Our country is really lacking peace. Our, our country's strongly lacking grace right now. There's a lot of things going on with this. If we would say, God, we want you back in charge of us, forgive us. I believe most of these things would be fixed. I mean, literally most of them would be fixed. And I personally believe, I'm not a conspiracy theorist kind of person, but I really believe that a lot of this stuff is being fueled by uh, small groups of people. A lot of this stuff. I think that there are certain key people around the country and specifically politicians that are fueling a lot of this stuff right now. And they're, they're stirring up the hate. They're stirring all this stuff. We know some of it. We know that a lot of the um, a lot of the BLM uh, uh, protests and stuff is being uh, financially sponsored by George Soros. They're paying people to go to these things. They're paying them. That's not you say. Well, you you don't know that. You don't. I do know that. You can find it online. You can see pay stubs of these people that have been paid to go and protest. How much are they really all in? I'll protest. I'll protest. I'll protest unicorns. You pay me enough. I mean, the idea that, 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 that this, I really believe this stuff is being, and, and I don't believe it's just a handful of people that are causing the problem. I believe it's demonically influenced stuff that's causing the problems, and that, that we're allowing, as a people of our country, we're allowing Satan to play us because we're not allowed to stand up and say, wait a second, this is wrong. You stand up and say something is wrong nowadays, the news media will tear you apart. All the, the liberal groups will tear you apart. Hollywood will tear you apart. But somewhere we've got to say, wait. Now, this is the way I personally think it should be done. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I think we should be politically active and stuff. Don't get me wrong. I, I I am politically active. But I think that the basic thing we can do is the starting point is as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve God. We're going to put God first. We're going to pray together as a family. You want to change your kid's classroom at school? You want to change that second grade classroom? You as a family pray together with your second grader. That's how you change that second grade classroom. Because you, you, you let the kid walk into that room with the Spirit of God in them, and it changes things. And so that's where a lot of this story. He's saying, look, don't be sad and dejected by what you're reading. Let God's joy rise up within your spirit because that becomes your strength. Don't look for your strength in other ways. The, The walls of Jerusalem surrounding us are not our strength. It's important. It's good to have those walls. It's good to have the physical things that we're doing in our life. But at the end of the day, the walls of Jerusalem is not where their hope was. It's in God. The joy of the Lord becomes our foundation and our strength in this. So I began to process this with with the idea of the joy of the Lord as my strength and just looking down through scriptures. And, And there's a lot of scripture that talks about God's word bringing health and healing and peace and strength into our spirit. That it's not, it, joy isn't something God gives us, it is Him. And according to John 1, 1, the Word is God. And so the more we get God's Word into us, the more that the strength of God becomes our foundation. I mean, the, the joy of the Lord becomes our foundation, our strength. That is God's Word. The biggest thing that you can use to combat the stuff that Satan is doing is get God's Word into you, His His Word. So I want to go to Psalms 119. And Psalms 119 is specifically about God's Word. The entire Psalms 119 has got the most verses of anything in Scripture, and it's completely about God's Word. In fact, um, put everything on hold, sidebar, let me give you a little cool thing you can process here. Psalms 119. It, every single sentence in Psalms 119 is about God's Word, His laws, His decrees, all those kind of things. It's about His Word. It is split up into sections. If you've got a paper Bible in front of you, it's easier to see you've got sections, and at the top of that section, it, it's also in digital Bibles, but you, you see the there's a word at the top of a section. Do, do you guys see that? Do you, do, am I, am I, okay, so you've got a word at the top. The uh, first one at the very beginning, Psalms 119, verse 1, um, the, it's, it's uh, the letter A in Hebrew, okay? Now, it's actually a word in Hebrew. I think it's a lef in Hebrew, but you've got uh, the, the letter A. Now, Hebrew, Greek is very similar this way too. Uh, English doesn't work this way, okay? The very first letter of the English alphabet is what? A. It doesn't have a meaning, it's just a letter. it just A. And, and Greek, the first letter of the Greek alphabet is what? Alpha. It's a word. It's a word that means something. What does the word alpha mean in Greek? Beginning. Begin, beginning. A. <laughs> hey, no, that's, that's circular reasoning. It means the beginning. It means the beginning, okay? And so, I'm, I'm, I'll explain it in Greek, but, but it's a little different in Hebrew, but it works the same, okay? So, if, this, if it was, were, this was in Greek, this is really cool. Psalms 119, the first section, I think it's about 14, 15 verses, maybe a little bit longer. The first section, every single sentence, this only works in Hebrew, we don't see it in English, every single sentence begins with the letter that is the top of that uh, section. So, every sentence in the first section of... of and if it were Greek, every word would start with the, the letter alpha, okay? Every single sentence in that section actually bears the meaning of that particular letter. If it was Greek, it would mean beginnings. So all of the verses in that start with alpha, and all of them mean have to do with, they first have to do with the Word of God, and then they mean something about beginnings. That's pretty cool. You go to the next section, you go, and it works all that way, all the way through Psalms 119. Now, that's pretty amazing. That is an amazing, miraculous literature, li- literary work to begin with. Then when you put it right in the middle of Psalms, right in the middle of the Bible, by the way, the very middle of the entire Bible is in Psalms 119 too. I, that's just cool. So um, when you put all that together and you put it right in the middle of the Bible, and it doesn't disagree with anything from Genesis to Revelation, that's another level of miracle God's word is pretty amazing now back to what I was saying Psalms 119 verse 111 we're, we're looking at the fact that God brings the joy into our spirit and and I believe let's I'm going to interchange things like peace with this too because I think it works the same he brings his peace into our spirit he brings his joy into our spirit but he does this when we focus in on the fact that that the joy of the Lord is the Lord himself, his joy, is our strength. That comes from God's word. Have you ever even thought that the only reason you know God exists is because of his word? That's the only reason we know God is here. This is the way I look at it. God writes out this big um, story, comic strip. He writes out this big comic strip, and, he, and, and we're the, the people in the comic strip, and then he writes himself into the comic strip. He doesn't have to do that. He does not have to tell us he is there. He has no obligation for that. He takes time to tell us that he's there. And then, this is, the, this is the most amazing part. You get a little ways into this comic strip, and all of a sudden he writes his son into the comic strip and writes out that his son has to have a brutal death on a cross so that we can continue with this comic strip. And then we can have a relationship. And then we can have eternity with him. I don't. I don't write my son into that storyline. But God does all of this, and He's saying here in verse one eleven of Psalms one nineteen, "Your laws are my treasure; they are my heart's delight." Now we know in a cognitive sense God's word. You know, it's there, God's commands to us. We, we cognitively process, this is what God wants us to do or not to do. This is not what the psalmist is saying here. Listen to what he's saying. He's talking about God's laws, his decrees, his word, and he's talking about how this is emotionally connected to him, that there's some deeper thing going on in his, in his, in, inside in his spirit that is beyond just a cognitive understanding of rights and wrongs of words. This is one of the things that the average person in society that does not know Jesus does not understand. And I would even posit that a lot of people within the church world don't really get this. We think cognitively of God's word of being a set of, of rights and wrongs or directions or decrees or something. And then the psalmist says, your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. That your law goes something beyond a set of rights and wrongs and it becomes something that gets inside my spirit and it becomes connecting to me, that I am emotionally connected to, to this thing called God's Word. That's more, than, that's more than rules. He says, I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. Go down to verse 140. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. This is, this is one of those things that really, man, that, this is a difficult one for us. Let me explain it this way. For, for you that are older, in here, I'm saying anybody probably over the age of 30. You look back at, say, 17, 18, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, and you think to yourself, you wouldn't have to go through that stuff if you would just listen. Right? Have you ever had that thought? Now, some of you are young, you're like, oh, whatever. That's why we think this is because we we know this to be true, right? If you would just you don't have to do that. You don't have to try that. You can have a happier life and a and a and a and a easier life if you just listen. But there's a mentality that says, oh, "I got this." <laughs> you don't know anything. I got this. Guys, you know we do the exact same thing in the church and our Christian walk and it causes us a lot of problems. God's Word tells us what to do. God's Word tells us who He is. God's Word word tells us this is how you lean on Him. This is how you depend on Him. This is what you do spiritually, uh, relationally, financially. God's Word tells us. And there is still this mentality in our mind and our spirit, And regardless of your age, there is still this mentality that says, "Mm, I'm going to try that myself. I'm going to figure that out myself. And He says here, your promises have been thoroughly tested. But we have to... And, and by the way, I don't think this is totally bad because I do believe work out your own salvation with fear and trembling has a, has a legitimate point to it. But some of the ways that you can work out your own salvation is pay attention to God's Word and listen to people that have gone before you. You don't have to make some of the same mistakes. You, 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 don't, you don't have to fall on your face. In certain things, because why? Some of this stuff's already been tested. Take it at its word. God's word has been tested. Now, I think there's going to be those major times in your in your spiritual Christian walk when you have to say, "God, I, I need to know that you are God." I am, I am, I am determining whether you are God for me personally. I get that. I don't think that. I think we all have to do that at some particular level. Okay. I think we have to search this out and figure it out ourselves. But I also know that it's, it's, at some points you can just take God's Word for face value. This is what God's Word says. This is what His Word says. Th- this is one of the things for me on a personal level. I, there's, there's some ways I can tell you I didn't. There's one that I can tell you that I did. There's a handful, but one specific that my parents started telling me when I was eight years old, they made me start tithing. And they gave me three jars, tithe, um, missions, and your money. The, the missions was offering missions. Tithe, uh, no, I'm sorry. Th- that was connected together. I'm messing this up. I'll make it simpler. Tithe, savings, and your money. And then the tithe was broken into categories. There was offering and stuff like that. So, so since I was eight years old, I've been tithing. At least 10% of every penny that I've ever had come into my existence since I was eight years old. I have never not done that. So for me personally, I don't know what it is to have to try to figure that one out. I don't have to get to a point financially where I have to say, okay, is that one true or not? You understand what I'm saying? Now, here's the other side of me. You may say, well, that means you never struggle. I've struggled lots of different ways. That has nothing to do with it. But here's the part, if you want to know how my brain works on this, I'm scared to death not to do that. that. To me, that's like, it's like i'm i've got a lifeline and and it's it's protecting me and holding me and there's no way i'm going to reach back there and unclick that lifeline even if maybe i could figure this out and do just fine without tithing you're never going to convince me of that and i'm never going to try even if you're right which you're not even if you're right i'm never going to try it because why I, that one was thoroughly tested long before I came and I started it so young, and it got into my head, and my spirit so young. I've never, ever not done that. Even when I was not a Christian and I was in the Navy, I would send my tithe back to my church that I went to in high school. I wasn't even a Christian. But I'm not going without that lifeline. Do you see what I'm saying? And I believe that different ones you have some of those things in your life too. This one has been thoroughly tested, and you don't have to test it, you know but it's weird how we do have to test some there's just something in our head that says i'm going to try that i'm going to try to walk without god here or i'm going to do this or i'm going to and at some point he's saying look you don't have to his word's been tested that is why i love him so much verse 141 i am, I am signif- insignificant and despised but i don't forget your commandments that's a strange way to put that sentence together right I am insignificant as a spies, but I don't forget your commandments. This really is a simple one. If, you, if, if we really process this properly, it's easier. I used to tell this to my kids when they were little, specifically really little. I think maybe I would still tell them today, but when they were specifically little, somebody would be mad at them at school or their friends wouldn't, wouldn't being nice to them or somebody had said something to them or whatever the case is, and they're feeling dejected, they're feeling down or whatever, and, and I'm not anything special or whatever. Okay, and so this is, this is my great loving father coming out here. And I'd say, I'm, I'm nothing. I would say, you're right. What? Because well, you, you they're expecting dad to say, no, you're something special. And here's the deal. That person said you were an idiot. Okay, so you're an idiot. But here's the reality. Regardless of who you are or who you think you are is really the, the subject, God never changes, and he's pretty amazing. And even if you think you're nothing, if you belong to God, he's something. All you have to do is belong to God. It doesn't matter whether, according to somebody else's definition, you're important or not important. It only matters what God thinks. Are you in God? Then you're special. And not even because you're special within yourself, which is true, too, but because God is special and you belong to Him. Well, I feel unwanted. Okay. Here, here, let me give you a a revelation on that. There's a lot of people that don't want you. Lots, do you understand in the tunes of billions that don't want you, that don't care who you are, but that doesn't matter because the Lord does. And He's the ruler of everything. He's the ruler of everything. Well, I'm, I'm nothing special. You're right. Except God created you, and he creates you amazing. So where are you getting this information from? Where are you getting your foundation from? This is the same concept of the joy of the Lord is my strength. Are you getting your joy from the Lord, or are you trying to find it somewhere else? Because if the joy comes from the Lord, it will always be foundational in your life. It will always be a strength to you and a help to you. But if you're looking for it in other places, it's not ever going to be something that can help you. Even the idea of being pretty or whatever the case is, the way we, the way we define that, I remember the first time that this really got in my head. I didn't understand it for years. But I was a kid, and we had gone down to Old Tucson, um, I haven't been down there forever, so I don't even know if this stuff even exists. But in Old Tucson at that time, there was a, a western city down there that they made movies and stuff at, like um, um, Little House on the Prairie and Gunsmoke and stuff like that. And there was this western city out there. And so we went out there to visit this western city, and they show you all the different posters and pictures of movies that were made in, on this place. Does it even exist? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, it does? Okay, good. Good. I feel good about this. I feel like I'm being honest. So, so we went down there and we stepped into this saloon that they, they were about to have a gunfight on the street, and we wanted to be in a good uh place to watch it because it's gonna it was gonna start in the saloon. So we go into the saloon and behind the bar of the saloon is this big uh painting of a of a of a woman laying down in a compromising pose. And so She's laying down up there behind the bar, and I'm, I'm looking at this. You know, I'm a kid, and I'm like eight. I'm just you know, staring at this thing and trying to process. And it dawned on me that this woman was, was um, <laughs> don't, don't make, you're not helping, <laughs> that this woman was thick. Right? Okay? She was she was plump. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at this, and I, I say something to my dad. I was like, Dad, do you see this woman? She's kind of half-dressed kind of thing. And I said, Dad, do you see this woman? He turns around and looks at her, and I said, Dad, she's kind of fat. And he said, son, beauty changes all the time. And I had no idea. He just said something that went way beyond my understanding. At that particular moment, it was probably 10, 15 years later, I was like, oh, I remember about 10 years ago, the the beauty of the day was this horribly anemic, um, cocaine, heroin addict looking person, just a skeleton with skin stretched over it. You guys know what I'm talking about? It very, very, that's, Tom, you're talking the 60s. I said 10 (laughs) years ago. Right? So, so beauty, beauty changes over time. This is, this is something that we don't process as a society. Let me help you get to the to the bottom of this. Who cares what anybody else thinks as long as I know what Jesus thinks? Who cares what society is trying to tell me as long as I know what Jesus is trying to tell me? And that's what he's doing as he's walking down through this. I am insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commandments. Because why? His commandments override anything that I feel about insignificance or being despised. His commandments tell me what I'm supposed to think and believe. His commandments give me purpose. This is, this is we, we, we struggle so much in our society that we're looking for our purpose and our direction and all these things in all these other places. Verse 143 says, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. When you command me to do something. I know this is not normal thinking. You mean my pressure and stress how can God commanding me something help me feel better now I'm just being commanded I'll help you with this and I've lived by this so I know this to be true When you're feeling dejected discouraged or whatever the case is witness to somebody tell somebody about Jesus when you're struggling in your marriage you're sitting in the break room with somebody to pray for their marriage Talk to them about how God can help their marriage. You say, well, how does that help? Because there's a spiritual dynamic that the Spirit of God begins to flow through us. The anointing of God begins to flow through us. And purpose and direction become clearer, and it chases away all of the muddiness that gets in our life and all the limited temporalness that guides and directs us. When, when we're struggling in certain arenas, in our marriage or our family or our finances or our workplace or something else, most of the time it's because we're, our, our vision is becoming tunnel vision, and it's becoming less and less broad, focused on one thing. As you, as you begin to minister to somebody else specifically in the same arena you're struggling with, it's amazing how God, the Spirit of God frees you up in that area, and you begin to see things differently. You begin to see God in a bigger sense. I find joy in you telling me what to do, God, because I'm stressed. It also clears your spirit up, just clears your mind up. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so that I may live. Verse 151. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. That's that's an amazing promise. You're near. I just need you near. And your commands are true. Psalms 21, verse 1. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. You could put a lot of things in the category of mountains. The reason they did is because they, the difference between the mountains and the plains were spiritual things, and the gods mostly hung out in the mountains. In fact, there was a battle one time of younger men, and um, they they routed the enemy that was attacking the Israelites. On the plains, and the, the guys, the enemy said, Okay, you beat us in the plains, but let's go out in the mountains. What they mean by that is where our gods live, and we'll rout you in the mountains. And so the young Israelite men fought them up in the mountains and kicked their rear up in the mountains, too. That's exactly what happened. And so there's this mentality okay, but does my help come from the mountains? Does my help come from the, the spirits of the day? Does my help come from the, the normal way that we look at stuff? And he says, no, my help comes from the Lord. That's it. Does your help come from your bank accounts? No, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. My joy comes from the Lord, not from our country. This is one of the things our country is really messed up right now about, is we really think that our help comes from the government, that our help is going to come from some outside source, that our help is going to come from the lottery, this is a big one. I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this in, since I've been here. I've been here five years. I believe that playing the lottery is a sin. And the reason is because it's gambling. And the reason that it's gambling is because you're saying, I'm going to take a chance on spending $1, which basically you're just throwing it away, on something because my help is going to come from that um, magical moment when my number gets pulled out of all of everybody else's numbers. Use your dollar for something different. Give it to your Sunday school class. You'll get a lot more uh, leverage long term, in, in, in every level physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. You'll feel better even if even if even if God's not real. You'll feel better about giving it to your Sunday school class than you will the state of Colorado. How about that for theological thinking? So. We, we look for so many places. Nowadays, everybody thinks the government is supposed to support them. I, I can say this to, to kids this age. It's totally outside the scope. I can say it to 50-year-olds, and this is totally outside the scope. Do you realize there used to be no such thing as Social Security? Do you know that? There used to be no such thing as 401Ks, tyrant plans, any of this kind of stuff. I had a friend of mine that's a pilot for United after 9-11 about a month after 9-11, they brought all the pilots from United Airlines in. This is up in Denver. And um, had a big meeting with them. Basically said, uh, we want to have this nice meeting with you uh, to let you know you no longer have retirement. You understand? He'd been a pilot for years and years. He had more money in his retirement than I will ever earn in my entire life. And they said, oh, by the way, it's gone. Sorry about that. Donut anyone? You're dismissed. You know, it was that kind of thing. He was he was dejected. He came by my office. He was messed up. And I said, okay, let me ask you something. When you got up this morning, how was your day? I said it's pretty good. And then you go to that meeting, they say on paper, it's now what number? Now zero. Did you change any? Did God change any? Did the planet stop spinning? Did your dog bite you when you got home because you didn't have money anymore? I actually said to him, is your wife leaving you? We did know of another pilot. His wife actually left him because that happened. But that's not about what I'm talking about right now. So, <laughs> I, and, and so what happened is he began to realize, wait a second. There's nothing different except on a page, I have no more numbers, which means someday I should be concerned. <laughs> but at some particular point, now guess what? As of today, he's still a pilot for United, and he has a healthy retirement, and all the things are good. But that day, it seemed like life was over it wasn 't guys God's still God, no matter what happens to you god's still God, regardless god's still God let 's go to Matthew chapter ten verse twenty eight and this is kind of where it brings it home. This is what I was thinking about about the people in Vegas, and i 'm looking at the pictures, and you can see people lying on the ground that have been shot. Some of those people are dying, some are dead, and I got to thinking about this from that moment that that night at that concert, this was just a bunch of people that went to go to a uh, country concert. And our, and our country has gotten so goofy with this. I, I, there was a lady that was this, the vice president of CBS News that was fired because of this. But she basically said she feels no sorrow for any of those people killed in Vegas because they were all at a country concert, which means they were conservative probably voted for Trump and were Republicans, and they deserved to die. Did you guys hear about this? She was fired for this. This is, this is the thinking in our country today. This is horrible. This is horrible. This, look at this in verse 28 of Matthew 10. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. The moment that those shots began to be fired, people started dying. At that moment, the reality of the limitedness of physicality and the unlimitedness of spirituality became very real, instantaneously become very real, that our physical lives are temporary. Our physical lives can actually be taken, but not our spiritual life. He's saying be much more concerned about God because God... And by the way, it doesn't say... Fear God and Satan because they're in charge of the spiritual realm. That's not what it says. It says fear God only. Look at this. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. This is more than just a physicalness that we're living. The physicalness can, can change instantly. The doctor can tell you something, and, and your life changes overnight. Instantly, in a second, actually. But spiritually, we're eternal. And if we can and if we can stay there, and if we can live there, and if we can think there, Lord. My help comes from you, my joy comes from you, my peace comes from you. Whether I'm I'm doing well in this life or I'm not, whether I'm physically good or I'm not, whether my life is about to end or I'm going to live another 50 years, Lord, everything comes from you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I want you to stand with me if you would. We're going to do this a little differently this morning. I'm going to give you the opportunity if you would... Like I know this, this may go outside your scope a little bit for some of you, but but my suggestion is just trust God, trust the moment, trust me. Um, I really think God wants to do some things in, in our lives this morning. But um, they're gonna they're gonna sing that song that I was talking about earlier. I'll come to the altar, and I want you to process, and and we're gonna we're gonna let them sing the first verse in the chorus. And we're, and we're going to pay attention. We're going to listen. We're gonna, But I want you to be processing. I, I think there's a lot of us in here that, that you would say right now, I really, need, I really need the joy of the Lord. I really need the Lord to get in my spirit. I'm, I'm discouraged about this. I'm going through this. I'm processing this. But Lord, I need your joy. I need your, I need your joy to jump in the middle of me and your spirit to jump in the middle of me and bring peace in, into my heart. Bow your heads with me. God, we ask you to open our spirit up. Open our spirit up, Lord. Lord, we want your joy and your peace. In the name of Jesus. Keep your head bowed, keep your eyes closed just for a few minutes while they sing this.
1: The altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
0: Now let me ask you, how many of you would say I really, I just, I just, The joy of the Lord in my life. I get like to raise your hand. I need God's joy. I need His Holy Spirit. I need this. Not just something I want to need this. Now this is the part where I, I may make you a little uncomfortable. Please, please try this. Just trust me a little bit here. I'd like you to step out and come down front, and we want people to pray with you. Specifically, pray with you about this. Don't don't be intimidated by this. If, if you raise your hand, please join us down here. But the. I was thinking about this this week Pastor Shelby gave a devotion to our during our staff meeting this last week and she said she was talking about where where Paul is is stressed and pressured I, I believe he was going through a depression mentality and um, and at the end of it it says and then Titus came to us and, and it's like Titus came and talked about you Jesus and everything got better and I really believe that that's a that's true that that happens you can be going through stuff, you can be going through difficult things, and somebody just stepping up and praying with you and say, let's go to Jesus together, let's talk about Jesus together, let's pray together, it's amazing how easily the Holy Spirit can do some really big things, some really big things, so anybody else, anybody else You're saying, I, I need this, this is, this is big for me right now, I need that joy, I need that peace. Guys, um, if you can maybe kind of spread it all bit, we want some people to pray for you. So for any of you that, w- that would that would be willing, um, come down here and, and pray with them. And this is what we're gonna do. We're just gonna let um, Shelby uh, sing for a little bit, and, and we're just gonna take a little bit of time, worship, and pray for these guys. I'm gonna pray over us real quick, and you're dismissed after this. If you need to take off, go or whatever, that's totally fine. Um, we want we want everybody here to spend as long as they need to praying and getting prayed for and uh, and you don't have to stand there the whole time if you don't want it you're, obviously you're welcome to uh, connect with us but for for all of the rest of you that want to find you a place down here come down here stand with different ones of these and uh, and we're going to pray and, and and pray for them but also pray with them stand with them uh, during this too so let me pray for the rest of us god we ask you uh, to take us this week take us into to our workplaces and our communities with your spirit or take us into these places full of your joy or that we want to operate and think in, in in you and in your spirit so God cover us with you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we thank you so much